A listener note, today's episode contains explicit content that some may not feel comfortable in hearing. You completely understand if you skip this one and join us for our next Undiscovered Story. Yesterday morning at 2.41 a.m. at General Eisenhower's headquarters signed the act of unconditional surrender of all German land, sea, and air forces in Europe to the Allied Expeditionary Force and simultaneously to the Soviet High It's been 70 years since the end of World War II. It was a defining period in modern history. That if the British Empire and its Commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say, this was their finest hour. We feel we largely know the facts. The good guys and the bad guys. The battleship Missouri becomes the scene of an unforgettable ceremony marking the complete and formal surrender of Japan. The motivations and the key events throughout the war. But there are still gray areas. Events that still to this day that are very little known or even acknowledged. One such example was a Japanese organization that operated between 1935 until the end of the war in 1945, called Unit 731. Unit 731 was Japanese Auschwitz, in short. The main perpetrators of the atrocities committed at Unit 731 were General Shiro Ishii and his colleagues, who together attempted to harness deadly diseases like anthrax, typhoid, and the bubonic plague in order to turn them into controllable weapons for use during war. Over 3,000 people, mostly prisoners of war, were experimented on and killed as a result. But where the crimes of the Nazi regime are near universally known, and many of those responsible have been held to account, the crimes committed by Unit 731 have not. I'm Jake Warren, host of Undiscovered, the podcast that brings you the stories you didn't know you cared about. Stories that never quite seem to get the attention they warrant or deserve. The prisoners were killed to assess the progress of various diseases. Some were dissected while they were still alive. Stories that don't always have a succinct or even just ending. I feel very guilty about what I've done, and I think I did wrong. Stories that explore issues on the fringes, forgotten or quite literally undiscovered. The trial of Japanese war criminals begun in Tokyo in May 1946. But in the thousands of pages of evidence and depositions, there's not a single mention of Unit 731. But with this story of human experimentation, a cover-up, war crimes going unpunished, and even unrecognized by those responsible, all of that could be about to change, with new research and evidence published in 2018. All right, let's get into it.
The background to this story is best provided by journalist Peter Williams and his documentary from 1985. Unit 731 did the Emperor know. Japanese General Shiro Ishii. For seven years, he headed a vast secret organization known as Unit 731. Unit 731 manufactured and developed deadly bacteria for use in war. General Ishii experimented on more than 3,000 human beings, including allied prisoners of war. The film offers interviews and insight from American prisoners of war who experienced the horrors of captivity under Unit 731 that would be impossible to capture today in 2019. They were, uh, the bodies were put up on uh, autopsy tables and then they would cut them open and so forth and get their uh, organs or parts of organs, whatever they wanted, and they put them in the containers and were marked with the same number as was on the POW tag. I was pretty sick and I, I, I wouldn't go to the hospital because uh, nobody that went in ever came out. I've told people, when they said, well, Charlie, you didn't die, why so many others? I said, well, maybe I got placebos and they got the shots. The man in charge of Unit 731, Shiro Ishii, was a leading Japanese microbiologist and a general in the Imperial Army. It was said that he was obsessed with the ambition to weaponize some of the most deadly diseases ever known to mankind. I had the impression that Commander Ishii saw this as a means whereby Japan could conquer the world. At that time, of course, the atomic bomb had not been invented, and the matter of whether the world could be conquered by biological warfare was a topic of much debate. From a Western perspective, we view World War II beginning in 1939, but for Japan, it started much earlier with their invasion and occupation of the Chinese province of Manchuria in 1931. The Japanese economy relied heavily on selling goods to China and the USA. During the Depression, both these countries imposed tariffs on imported goods to protect their own businesses. This made the Japanese goods too expensive. Japan was desperate for new markets abroad. Lieutenant Colonel Hashimoto Kingoro was one of the Japanese militarists who argued the only answer was to expand their own Japanese empire. It was deemed the perfect place for General Ishii to carry out his work, a foreign land that posed a threat to the enemies of Japan, both China and Russia. A small village called Pingfan was chosen as the destination for Unit 731, and the true nature of the work there was hidden behind the innocuous title of the Anti-Epidemic Water Supply Unit. By 1939, Ping Fan was a sprawling cluster of laboratories and living quarters, a garrison of 3,000 scientists, technicians and soldiers. Top civilian scientists were secretly drafted there to join the Korea Army doctors. Here, the bacteria of typhus and tetanus, anthrax and smallpox, salmonella and glanders were nurtured and grown in huge vats. Ishii's unit could produce up to eight tons of bacteria a month. But crucially, he needed to draw a veil of secrecy around his work. Hundreds of prisoners were directed to Ping Fan. So-called spies who'd allegedly poisoned the wells, Chinese, Korean, Manchurian and Russian soldiers, petty criminals and dissidents. 
As has been the case so often throughout history, the demonization and dehumanization of groups of people makes it easier to kill them with impunity. One of the members of Unit 731, Naoji Uzono, remembers the thousands of human guinea pigs who were codenamed Marutos that were put to death in the experiment. The word Maruto translates as a log of wood. There was a standing order that there should be 60 to 80 Marutas in the unit at all times, so facilities were large enough to accommodate that number. There was a Maruta supply camp, and replacements came as those in the unit died. According to one anonymous worker who went on the record for Williams' documentary, We experimented with cyanide gas in small bombs. Nearly 100 Maruta were used in the experiment, and they all died but for one. The bodies were loaded into trucks, 10 or 20 at a time. Prisoners were killed as part of documenting the progress of various diseases they wished to control. People were shot or injected with morphine, and some were even dissected while they were still alive. On at least one occasion, however, as we hear from another Unit 731 worker, the Marutos, these logs of wood, managed to fight back. One day, when the duty guard went into a cell to serve a Maruta his lunch, the Maruta, who should have been handcuffed and manacled, had somehow broken the chains and had struck the guard with one of them as he entered. He only sustained a superficial cut and promptly rang the alarm bell. So I grabbed a rifle and gas mask and was one of the first to arrive at the troubled building. The disturbance was being caused by would-be escapees on the second floor, and when we arrived, we tried for an hour to calm them down and have them return to their cells, but they showed no inclination to do so. Then an officer came and, remarking that it was futile, ordered we use gas. We injected gas into the cells for almost an hour until they had all succumbed. And although the riot started in building number seven, the same action was taken against building number eight. It seems unbelievable to hear such candid testimony of killing prisoners, and in terms that make it sound nothing more than the average menial day-to-day -day task. On this particular day in question, 60 people were killed, and all of this was deemed necessary by General Ishii in his pursuit to exploit biological weapons and for the Japanese empire to conquer the world. During that 15 years, the Japanese committed a number of atrocities. Yuki Tanaka is a retired historian and former research professor at the Hiroshima Peace Institute of Hiroshima City University, where he studied and published works on Japanese war crimes, including Unit 731. He now lives in Melbourne, Australia. There is no doubt that the Japanese conduct was a very brutal and the uh, very serious war crimes they committed, uh, not only against the enemy soldiers, but also large number of civilians, in particular in China. For 40 years after the end of World War II, Japan had managed to successfully bury the secret of Unit 731 and what went on there. Of course, there had always been whispers and rumors of the human experiments that took place, but no hard or tangible evidence had ever been presented to the world. All of that changed, however, 
due to one of Yuki Tanaka's friends and colleagues, Professor Matsumura. The details of Unit 731's activities remained largely unknown until mid-1980s, but after that, a number of documents regarding Unit 731's activities came to light. The initial start of this research was the um, very accidental recovery of the very important Unit 731 report. And that was Professor Matsumura, right? That's right. Professor Matsumura is a friend of mine, and uh, he just, uh, you know, popped in a second-hand bookshop in Kanda, that's in Tokyo. And that area is a, it's actually a second-hand bookshop area. Hundreds of second-hand bookshops, you know, in one street. It's a very interesting place. Professor Matsumura just popped into one of the uh, bookshop and <laughs> accidentally found uh, this, this document. So it was sheer chance that Professor Matsumura, leafing through a second-hand bookshop, found demonstrable evidence? Yes. He was not searching this document. He just, you know, luckily, uh, he just found this, uh, this uh, document on a bookshelf. So 40 years it, it had remained hidden, this document, which proved the war crimes. Yes. Yeah, that's right. It was actually the position of one of the... Uh, members of Unit 731 and this medical doctor had this document for a long time but he passed away and so when he passed away his family actually found this document and they didn't know what it was so they they sold it to um, rubbish collector <laughs> and, and so the rubbish collector actually thought it might be a very interesting document, and so he took this to the uh, second-hand bookshop and sold it. And what, what, did, what was actually in the document? The report of the experiment they conducted on, on POWs. Returning to Peter Williams' documentary, he interviewed Professor Matsumura the year after he made the astonishing discovery of documented evidence showing Unit 731 crimes against humanity. One day in 1984, Professor Matsumura was browsing with a friend through the shelves of second-hand books when they found a set of remarkable papers. These are the actual scientific record of a number of killings, chronicled by the Japanese scientists who carried out the experiments in Unit 731. On this occasion, the prisoners were murdered with mustard gas. Professor Matsumura, how many men were actually involved in this particular series of experiments in Unit 731? Uh, 20 men were involved. Maruta, number 691, mm. he was dead after, uh, five days after the experiment. We tracked down Professor Matsumura 34 years after he was interviewed as part of that documentary. My name is Takao Matsumura, Emeritus Professor of Keio University in Tokyo. I retired about 10 years ago, and after a uh, 40 year teaching, now I am 76 years old, a bit too old now. <laughs> Professor Matsumura, after finding the evidence, explains how he showed the world what he had discovered. One year later, I revealed this 
reports showing the human experimentation in the unit in the national newspapers. On the 15th of August, that was the Memorial Day of the end of the Second World War. So it caused a big sensation because all the documents about the Unit 731 were burned down or were taken to the United States. So this was the first experience for the Japanese to find, to look at such a very inhuman experimentation. 40 years after the end of the war, and this was the very first opportunity for the Japanese public to be made aware of what had taken place at Unit 731. So if you were an everyday Japanese high school student studying history, you'd never be taught that these things went on? No, not at all. I mean, if, the, if, you, if you see the high school textbooks, they don't mention the Unit 731 at all. And none of the textbooks are referred to Unit 731, as far as I know. Why is that? Is it a shame thing? Uh, no, it's, it's, not, it's not a shame. I, I think, well, this is Japanese government policy, not to teach Japanese atrocities in World War II. They tried to somehow sanitize the Japanese conduct in wartime, especially now the Abe administration trying to deny any responsibilities that the Japan had for the uh, neighboring countries, uh, China, Korea, Philippines, and, and etc. As far as crimes go, human experiments and mass murder on a scale of thousands seems like something the world would care about. So why don't people know? Well, it's a long history because you see the, um, this Unit 731, the activities was concealed uh, immediately after the war. U.S. had a deal, secret deal, with members of Unit 731. The deal was the Unit 731 would hand over all the um, result of the tests they conducted or the weapons developed, and in return, they get the immunity from uh, prosecution. Of course, uh, leaders of the Unit 731, General Ishii, uh, Shiro, not only you know he was free, but he was actually given a large sum of money for the um, cooperation with the United States. So he was treated very, very well. But, okay, so this is what I find hard to understand, and I think most people would who just have even a cursory knowledge of World War II. You know, General Ishii Ashiro, you know, the, the director of Unit 731, a medical doctor, a scientist, there's comparisons to be drawn between him and someone like, you know, Joseph Mengele, the Nazi doctor who conducted experiments on people in, during the Holocaust. But one was vilified and, you know, chased around the world, one of the most wanted men in the world, and the other, General Ishii, gets a free pass. How can that have possibly happened? You see, the important thing is, that the, of course, the US wanted to access to the information of the bacteriological and chemical weapons. Well, not much chemical weapons, because the US also produced the chemical weapons during the war. But they were far behind the research on the um, bacteriological weapons. This hasn't happened to us yet. In any large-scale future war, however, 
Some attacks will reach the United States. These may be with atom bombs. Less likely, but possibly, the enemy may resort to biological and chemical warfare using germs and gases. How well we prepare now to defend ourselves will determine how well protected we will be if and when an attack occurs in the future. Unit 731's uh, knowledge on bacteriological weapons at that time was far, far uh, advanced, top in the world at that time. And that's why United States wanted access to this information. So that's the difference, you know, the German Nazi doctors and the Japanese doctors. The lack of accountability and the outright denial in Japan today even manifests into hostility against those professors and researchers who dare to publish or expose their findings. The ultra-right-wing organizations are you know, strongly campaigning against the, um, what shall I say, the propagation of, the, uh, of this knowledge. And so, uh, of course, I'm targeted. And so if you look at the uh, information that these ultra-right-wing activists are writing, they're always condemning me. Of course, behind this movement, there's Abe Shinzo, our Prime Minister, and uh, his followers. Similar to Yuki Tanaka, Professor Matsumura experienced the same backlash from those unwilling or unable to accept his findings. I have been, I was uh, threatened uh, through the telephone by the right-wing people and by some kind of police. At night, I received a telephone saying that I know you had a child, and uh, that was threatening. This highlights how strongly some people felt about his revelations, not only to criticize his work, but to even threaten his family. Unit 731 uh, was uh, Japanese Auschwitz, in short. Unit 731's history is a very important item to consider the history between Japan and China. How Japan ruled China, particularly during the period between 1931 and 45. Matsumura feels it is important to compare and contrast the actions of Imperial Japan and Nazi Germany during World War II. So, first of all, I want to compare the Unit 731 with the concentration camps in Nazi Germany. And uh, what's the common factors, or what's the different points uh, between the two masculine uh, system. Under the cover of uh, water purification, Unit 731 was engaged in the production of biological weapons. And at least 3,000 victims were transported against their will to the unit to be served as uh, guinea pig. And doctors, Japanese doctors who were engaged 
to that inhuman behavior, uh, came back to Japan after the war, very free from the uh, war crimes. And they were not accused at all. And all of them uh, came back to the medical world in Japan, and they had got uh, high positions in the medical college and also the medical world. This is one of the starkest differences between the Holocaust and what took place in Japan. Other than the scale, of course, which was millions compared to thousands, a real difference lies in the consequences of actions. Matsumura feels both past and current Japanese governments are to blame for Japan not taking responsibility for the atrocities committed. Yes, particularly Abe Shinzo, his attitude towards the Second World War was very much uh, wrong, not correct. And the Japanese government uh, would not accept the historical facts of Unit 731, even now. Japan is a historically conservative country, with many accusations at government level of not owning and admitting their actions under their former empire. So there is a culture in Japan stemming from your Prime Minister, Prime Minister Abe, of his followers criticizing you and your colleagues online because you are effectively reporting the unwanted truth, as I would call it, you know, laying bare, these are the facts, these are the atrocities that were committed, and you're targeted because of that. Does that make you fear for, you know, not only your work, but for your safety even? Well, I mean, you know, for example, when we you know, give a public lecture, uh, occasionally the uh, right-wingers come or um, they demonstrate outside of the uh, lecture rooms, uh, buildings, but the most dangerous... Uh, lecture you give is, is about the emperor, Hirohito's war responsibility. That, they don't want to like it, you know. So, um, but this is my uh, belief that unless we actually properly examine the Hirohito's war responsibility, we cannot democratize Japan. Because this is the Japanese post-war uh, so-called democratic society was established on the um, ground of the immunity of Hirohito's war crimes and war responsibility. It is estimated that over 10,000 people who were connected with General Ishii and Unit 731 were able to quietly slip back into respectable society and academia at the end of the war by simply keeping quiet. Peter Williams managed to track one person down and interview them about their role. One of them is now Emeritus Vice President here at the Kitasato Hospital and Research Institute in Tokyo. His name, Dr. Shiro Kasahara. I got in to see Kasahara. He's written many medical publications, some of them, I told him, undoubtedly based on his human experiments at Ping Fan. I went to Manchuria in 1941. In addition to myself, Mr. Ishii had gathered the most proficient people from universities and research laboratories. Until I went to the Ishii unit, I didn't even know such a thing as human experiment existed, or what the word Maruta meant. Only then could injections be made, and the total number of people I used 
in all sincerity, I believe amounted to five or six. But to experiment on, uh, let alone to kill, uh, even one prisoner of war is against the Geneva Convention, never mind medical ethics. Yes, I think it was a contravention. They were soldiers, prisoners of war, and I think the Japanese army was wrong. What about your part in the work of Unit 731? Do you have any conscience about that? I feel very guilty about what I've done, and I think I did wrong. In 1945, the Soviet Union declared war on Japan, and in August of that year, they deployed their Manchurian Strategic Offensive Operation. General Ishii had ordered to mobilize quickly in the event of an attack against them. Evidence of all atrocities had to be destroyed. First priority was the disposal of the Maruta material. After they had all been killed, their remains were incinerated. Then, for the disposal of the pathological specimens, there was special incineration equipment. After the prisoners had been killed and the documents destroyed, all the members of Unit 731 were issued with cyanide capsules. They were ordered to use them if they were captured. The secret of secrets had to be kept. In August 1945, the war was ended, not by a biological weapon, but by an atomic bomb. The destruction of Ping Fan was complete, and Xi and his men mingled with the retreating armies to hide from justice. Surprisingly, Ishii was hopeful. He knew the unique scientific value of the work he'd done, and he guessed correctly that America and Russia would want it. So even as the occupying troops arrived in Japan, Unit 731 drew up a plan to trade this valuable information. Colonel Murray Sanders, who is a different Colonel Sanders than you fried chicken enthusiasts may be thinking of, was a bacteriologist and the first investigator from the US Biological Warfare Unit to be sent to Japan. My mission was biological warfare. I was to find what the Japanese had done. Sanders was told by several interviewees that the Japanese military had engaged solely in defensive research. Biological warfare was clearly against humanity. During his inquiry, he came across this exact phrase often. Biological warfare was, quote, clearly against humanity, which seemed to feel rehearsed. Do you believe that the emperor was aware of the work of Unit 731? I think he must have known something because the budget was very large and the people involved were top level. Sanders was accompanied in his investigation by his appointed Japanese translator, Lieutenant Colonel Ryochi Naito. What Sanders didn't know, however, was that Naito had actually served himself in Unit 731 and was deliberately manipulating the interrogations. In a 1983 interview, Sanders admitted that he had been deceived during his nine-week investigation. Eventually, however, Sanders uncovered tangible evidence of Emperor Hirohito's involvement in Unit 731. 
A document held in Japan's military archives reveals that the unit was formed by imperial decree. That is, the emperor's seal is on the document. More than that, the emperor himself went to Manchuria at least once, in 1939, when the work of Ping Fan was at its height. Certainly, he must have known about the garrison at Ping Fan, but did he know of the human experiments? Sanders took the document directly to General MacArthur. He suggested the deal to MacArthur. The Allies wanted the information from Unit 731, so could he offer immunity from prosecution in return for the Japanese data? Ishii eventually emerged to cooperate with the Americans, telling them of his work. He knew the Soviet Union would also be looking for him. I am told that he gave some lectures, a series of lectures that included human testing of infectious organisms in a special camp in the United States. He went into detail as to the method of injection and the reaction of the prisoners. Ishii and other prominent ex-Unit 731 scientists were free to continue their pre-war careers. And in 1950, Japan's Green Cross, the country's first commercial blood bank, was founded. And some of its founders included former members of Unit 731. The Green Cross mainly works in blood. They were originally established as a blood bank in 1948. They extract plasma, albumin and gamma globulin from blood. And this is identical to the work that members of Unit 731 were doing in Harbin. The Green Cross Corporation has grown into one of the most successful drug companies in Japan. Some of those who founded the Green Cross died wealthy men off of the back of the crimes they had committed in their research. They were celebrated for their work, as if the ends had justified the means. Ironically, Shiro Ishii suffered in his later years from chronic dysentery and internal inflammation, the very diseases he had inflicted on others. When this documentary was made in the early 1980s, questions and regrets remained. It's too late now to bring many of the Unit 731 scientists to justice. Was it too late? Not according to those continuing to speak out today. In April 2018, published for the very first time in Japan, 70 years since the war had ended, were the names of thousands of members of Unit 731. This was as a result of research and investigation by Katsuo Nishiyama, a professor emeritus of preventative medicine at Shiga University of Medical Science. According to Professor Nishiyama, this is the first time that an official document showing the real names of almost all of the members of Unit 731 had been disclosed. The country's national archives released these 3,607 names in response to a request of his investigation. In turn, this has reignited public debate over the atrocities committed by Japan in the public consciousness. Since then, however, progress has been slow. Most recently, a group of researchers led again by Professor Nishiyama have also requested Kyoto University to launch an inquiry into a PhD conferred to an officer who belonged to Unit 731. The group held a press conference on March 1st, 2019, 
and revealed that after a preliminary inquiry, Kyoto University has decided not to pursue the investigation. The university stated that it cannot be ruled out that monkeys were used for the research, and that in the absence of memos and raw data from the experiments, the investigation cannot continue. Professor Nishiyama's group have formally objected to this conclusion and say that in this particular case, the university needs to prove that humans weren't used in the experiments. Their pursuit of justice and the acceptance of responsibility for atrocities committed by Unit 731 still continues. If you want more information on the stories that this show has covered, be sure to check out Message Heard on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We can find links to further reading for the research we've referenced in this podcast series. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Jake Warren, produced and edited by Sandra Ferrari, with additional reporting from Miguel Quintana in Japan, and has original music by Matt Huxley. If you haven't already, subscribe to Undiscovered on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get yours.